I didn't actually realise you were Australian. Really? Yes, I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I um, I moved here. Well, ten years. Oh, well, I didn't move to Germany ten years ago. Um, I moved to London about ten years ago, mm. kind of on a whim, kind of on I had a uh, wanderlust, mm. and um, it was a case of I just didn't know where, like, sort of career and life was heading. So, my siblings, one had lived in. Uh, Sweden for six months and my sister and her husband had lived in the UK and so I thought well I'm not going to be the sibling that doesn't doesn't do it so on a 12 month visa 10 years later I'm still here fantastic that's what we like to hear well we won't tell the government (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah I mean we're kind of waiting here in Germany to see what happens with Brexit but um, yeah. Look, honestly, by the time they they sort anything out, it's going to take so long based on how much paperwork is going to be involved. Could be five, ten years. Oh, that's yeah. I I don't necessarily want to get too political about it, but I'm not really sure if many people have thought that through as to how much effort and and manpower and all that's going to be involved in that. It's going to be a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, I remember reading even just like to process all the. Um, EU residents or people living, I don't know if they're residents or not, living in um, the UK would take 47 years. <laughs> 47 years? Yeah, based on the current um, pacing and, and number of staff and all that sort of thing. So, oh. there you go. <laughs> well, worst case, we'll go back to Melbourne. It's not so bad. <laughs> Fair enough. It's not too I mean, bad. At least you get the same weather, right? Uh, no, 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 not at all. No. So you're not from Melbourne. You must be. I would say you're Sydney, maybe no, Gold Coast. No. Or... Nah, even further north. Um, I Brisbane is my adopted yeah. hometown. Yeah, right. Um, but I'm actually born. I was I was born in a place called Rockhampton. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. no, no. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we, people have heard no, we about went, it. We, yeah. Kate had a friend who lived in Townsville, and we went up Cairns and Townsville for Christmas a couple of years back. Mm. Uh, what was it four or five years ago now? I suppose it was four years ago. Yeah. 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 Oh wow! It was a strange trip. Very strange. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so we got to experience right. NBN though. Oh, yeah. yeah, the disaster that that is. Other words I could use, but not in polite uh, company. If you want to have a laugh, I'd encourage you to read the New York um, Times this morning and their review of the <laughs> NBN. The New York Times. Yeah. And it's just wow. they're basically saying <laughs> let this be a warning because the Australia's internet, um, yeah. even with the NBN, is still ranked 50, 51st in the world. So it's below places like you know parts of you know most of Africa, most of most of Asia, <laughs> most of China. It's yeah. it's oh. Oh, unbelievable. Oh, well, I was in. Wow. I just got. I just got back from yeah. Romania yesterday, and they made the internet themselves, which is quite amazing. The, so oh, it's all okay. above ground, but what everyone just like started sharing internet, um, and ended up with a really fast network. And then companies bought it off the people, which yeah. was really. I didn't know you could do, cool. do that. Yeah, no, because because they got fed up with waiting for the government to do it, oh. so they just did it themselves. <laughs> someone got it, and then someone shared it with someone else, and then someone shared it with someone else, and then it just oh, kept going. Really? And they have like the cheapest, fastest internet in Europe. That'd be a good story. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Holy wow. Didn't even know you could do that. Yeah. No, but it's all above ground, which makes it 
like if it's windy or something, it can go up and down a lot. Right. That's the only problem because it's not below oh. ground. But it also means it's very easy to lay it on because you have to dig up the roads. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like what I, what I don't really understand in, in so many ways is, oh, well, <clears throat> sorry, when it first came out, or the idea was proposed. I thought this is a magnificent concept. Just like the, you familiar with the snowy, the snowy um, river yeah. scheme? Yeah, hydro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the same concept, right? You know, the government plows in an enormous amount of cash, but from that you can then build an, um, all sorts of things based on that investment. So you never recoup that core money, mm. but you can make money off mm. of what comes afterward. I always say it's like roads or whatever. Yeah. You know, you pay indirectly for roads. But from that, you know, you can get freight companies mm. and Amazon and, and all the rest. It's infrastructure. Exactly. And so I thought, well, this would be great. And then comes all the political, um, the weird madness of the political crazy that is Australian politics right now. <laughs> and then, oh, we'll have it to your home. And then came out, sorry, skipping a long story. A friend of mine, some of them are big network people. Mm. And he sent this story. It was, it was a critique of a letter written by the CEO of NBN Co. And he goes through, it's, it's really long and painstaking to get through, but he goes through point by point by point. But one of the best things was at the start of the article, he says, oh, nobody in Australia wants gigabit broadband anyway. And then at the what? end of the article, co- contradicts himself <laughs> and says, we know they do, but we can just, we can do it later. So, oh, my God. The long story short was uh, we know it's coming and we're going to spend a fortune on this now and then in about 10 years from now we're going to have to rip it up, spend a fortune again and we'll still be behind mm. because then they'll have moved on and it's just you, you can't help but shake your head. And say, what, what? <laughs> it sounds like the airport in Berlin. By the time it's finished, it'll be out of date. <laughs> oh, yeah. The amazing super duper airport. Well, it was that... in 2012, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they realised it wasn't up to fire codes. Apparently, um, and I think we might go, apparently every mm. Thursday they do tours and you could just go and look at areas of airports you don't normally see because they're just oh. doing tours whilst it's doing nothing. <laughs> I think we might go. Is this like how they're paying for the airport? We'll do tours. Probably. I, I, <laughs> apparently it costs a million a day, so unless the tour is like... <laughs> no, the tour is only 10 euros, so I don't think they're paying for it with that. <laughs> unless oh, the entire population um, of Berlin goes every Thursday. <laughs> a million a day. Apparently. Yeah. And this is for a poor wow. city. This isn't This isn't a yeah. Bavaria, you know. No, it's a quite poor city. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I think I might keep some of this conversation because it was kind of... Uh, interesting but let's before okay. before we confuse people even longer <laughs> maybe you should tell us who you are and what you do who you are and what you do yeah wow here we go here we go let's see if i can i can make long story short without having to say that um okay so my name is matthew setter i'm as said earlier i'm originally from australia though i'm told i have lost a bit of the australian accent um I am a mix of a software developer and a technical writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing software dev. Oh, it's, it's a bit cliched. My dad had, unlike other kids, my dad had Apple computers. Mm. Um, but, you know, computer's a computer. Uh, then there was a hiatus and I kind of found it again at university. And through where I learned, I think it was C++ and Java. Java was the in thing at the time to learn. But then as fate or happenstance would have it in my first job, um, people asked for, or the boss came to me and he said, um, the clients asked for a website with PHP and MySQL. Do you know what either of those two things are? Because none of the rest of us do. (laughs) So I said, not really, but I'll have a go. 
Uh, and so that's sort of how my, I guess, my, my career got guided. So I spent the next, what was that? That would have been about 1999, um, which dates me a bit. It's actually about the same time I started, so yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> but I was doing Cold Fusion. Ooh. Mm. That's, that's still a thing, isn't it? I don't think so. But <laughs> and, oh, and what's okay. Cold Fusion? Cold Fusion is, was a uh, technology from Adobe, well, Macromedia in those days for mm-hmm. dynamic websites. Um, yeah, I think now Adobe has taken it into other places and kind of mostly got rid of it. But mm-hmm. yeah. PHP is much more widespread. And actually, I mean, I can see from some of the people you follow on Twitter and also who you currently are mostly working for, being OwnCloud, who are mm-hmm. uh, originally Berlin-based. Um, I think they still are. There's been a bit of a, 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 a split there, which we can talk about later. Um, that's all PHP. There's a lot of PHP on your Twitter profile. So <laughs> just... <laughs> There's quite a lot of it. I keep saying that I'm, I'm, I'm going to become a polyglot developer, but I kind of am, but not really. Um, but, yeah, to, to clarify that one... Um, I, after I moved to the UK, um, by happenstance, because I'd been pure development, development up to that stage using the typical PHP, Linux, MySQL, and then intermixed that with PostgreSQL and Oracle, <clears throat> a bit of Sybase and so forth. Um, I was kind of feeling like I was doing code all the time. So I asked around um, and there was this on the company I worked for, which was at the time called iBuildings. I think they're called Invica now. Um, they said, we'll pay you, I think it was 200 pounds for a well-written article on something, you know, that you've done for a client recently, mm. something you're interested in. You know, it has to be tech. Mm. It has to be about sort of what we do. That kind of earlier days, I guess, of content marketing. And I thought, oh, yeah, I was always, I was okay at English at school. Yeah, it's something that's related. Why not? So kind of it, it also sort of happened a bit by chance. And I got to know Cal Evans because um, he was, I think he was some, somehow involved in that. And he put me on to Beth Tuckalong, who was then at PHP Architect magazine. And that's really how that sort of came along. She's like, oh, look, yeah, that, what you've suggested sounds really interesting. That'll fit in with our what we're writing at the moment. And it's sort of one thing kind of led to another and just writing seemed to be – it It was a nice release really because you kind of got to talk about what you've done, mm. express yourself, and then through that began the kind of journey to where I am now uh, as documentation lead at OwnCloud because I think it was uh, – have done writing for a company called Kinetics in Brisbane, in Australia, mm-hmm. Codeship, um, a little bit for New Relic and, and, and various other places, and a lovely company called Screen, which are in Paris. Yeah, I, I, so, we actually have um, – <laughs> we're almost two sides of the same coin. I also do some work for Screen and Codeship. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, we actually do – I think we both do a lot of quite similar things, um, yeah. interestingly. Tell me, tell me. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, just in terms of some of the people we've worked for, we both – it looks like we also have both had some SitePoint connections. Uh, mm-hmm. I can see Bruno and Ophelia on your 
um, yes. Twitter profile as well. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll be shot for not putting Sitepoint in there. So big plugs. Yes, Sitepoint, Sitepoint. Well, I just released a book with them. And actually today, purely by chance, I'm wearing one of their T-shirts. So I guess I, uh, <laughs> okay. I should do. At the um, weekly squeak today. <laughs> All happening. Well, you used to write for them too, Kate. I did, yes. That was my very for- beginning foray into tech journalism. Writing for really? Sidepoint, yeah. Um, and bear in mind, I'm not a dev. I'm not an engineer in any way, shape, or form. Mike, mm-hmm. I'm doing more your kind of your research, your commentary, your um, analysis kind of stuff. Um, so I've spent – apologies, I have a croaky voice today, everyone. I um, spent most of last night interviewing people about the cyber attacks, the ransomware attacks. So, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> lots, of, um, lots of very excited um, security experts. Well, actually, now, here is a, here is a very nice jumping off point into mm-hmm. um, OwnCloud. So, yeah. so OwnCloud, for anyone who doesn't know, um, takes principles of things like uh, Google Drive, Google Docs, uh, Dropbox, one, uh, uh, one, no, not one cloud. What they called OneDrive, Microsoft OneDrive, Box, all mm-hmm. these sorts of services. The convenience of having a a cloud where things are hosted, you can perform a multitude of tasks in them, relating to sort of office type skills. Uh, but then, as the data privacy and security aficionado say, one man's cloud is just someone else's. The cloud is just someone else's computer. That's what mm. they say. Mm. Um, mm. And one uh, own cloud was um, kind of, I, I think, probably the first project to take this idea, make it more private, uh, but also make it more usable. I mean, anyone can make their own cloud, in inverted commas, if they wanted to, but actually making it more usable and install that most people can run and I know there's lots of especially in Europe schools businesses that run it um mm-hmm. so yeah tell us a bit more about your work there um, I think you just did <laughs> no I, I told him about the company but I'm told what you do so <laughs> to say, oh no, no it's, a bit it's, more it's, about it's it, okay yeah. I'll just I'll just fill in the gaps yep. that's okay no um now that that came about because I got to know um, two of the people from there, Michael and Felix, when I worked at or sort of turned up to a local co-working space. And but I mean, this was two years ago, and I got approached by Michael and Felix. Uh, I think it'd be about six months ago, because owing to uh, the split between OwnCloud and NextCloud, and I apologise, I'm I'm. I'll sort of keep a bit out of it, mainly because I don't really know that much about yeah, it. Fine. Yeah, um, as opposed to being sort of like too politically correct yeah, or anything. That's fine. We're not really, you know. I know people who work for joke. both. So. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah. fine. So <laughs> plus, it's obviously yeah, it's not the it's yeah. not the topic of of um, today's conversation. So, um, and they had uh, there was a person who was doing the the role previously, um, who was moving on. And so they said, would you be interested? And I thought, oh, yeah, it sounds like a natural extension of what I've been doing. So that's how I came to be there. Um, the role itself is what they tasked me with. We're saying we, we really want the, the docs to be seen as what it, what it should be, which is like a first-class citizen um, because, you know, they'll get a lot of support calls and the people in support are wonderful, but they really felt that, if people could help themselves more, uh, more mm. and more deeply, then when someone made a support call, they would get more value out of that. They'd only have to when they really needed it. Mm. So um, you could, 
the whole package, the whole company could could come across as that much more professional. Mm. So in in part, I'm um, taking the docs and just looking at them and saying, okay, what have you tried to say here? And I mean it as no negative mm. reflection, mm. but I believe I'm the only person with English as a mother tongue. Yeah, sure. So I, I sincerely mean that. No negative oh, reflection. No, no, no. We don't, we don't take it that way at all. We're in a similar position living in Germany as experts mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So it's it's saying, okay, look, I, I see what you've you've tried to say, but it's not quite come across that mm. way. So how about tell me what you're thinking and I'll rework mm. it a bit. Uh, it's also, you know, sometimes devs being devs, I'll, I'll, I don't really want to write it because I just don't want to. I'd rather code or I'd feel less comfortable putting my words out there. So how about I'll talk to you and you write it for yeah. me because you're, you're, you're the writing guru. You just make it sound awesome and I'll just tell you, right? So there's a bit of that. Plus, you know, there's time as well. You know, you've got deadlines because the 10.0 release um, came out just recently and I think on the 23rd of this month um, is, is a larger sort of collective release. So, you know, there's deadlines to, to meet there. Um, but it's also working with marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's marketing and devs. And then also looking at the structure of the docs to say how can you make it the most intuitive uh, and easy to follow and, and navigate um, structure. Yeah, I think you've touched on a really nice point, a really interesting point. I mean, I talked to lots of startups, um, you know, doing interviews and so on. And one thing that really strikes me is that particularly your early stage companies, there's a very much a feeling of we have to be able to be doing everything and doing everything mm-hmm. well. When I, I often say to people like, you, you know, your skill is not to be and maybe a CEO is slightly different, but your skill in the early stages is not to be, you know, the best um, copywriter in the world or the best social media manager or maybe the best pitcher at pitching competitions. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's about utilising your skills and what you do and getting someone else to be able to do some of those other things that complement your skills. And I think it's, um, I don't know, it's... I, I, I'm not sure if you would see this in other industries so much. Like if I was to s- embark on, say, a small business, maybe something in, mm-hmm. I don't know, retail or shipping or whatever, um, that I would uh, – that one would feel the propensity to have to be able to, you know, be accurate and effective and skilled across all these verticals when so much of it is, is you know, building upon years of knowledge. Yeah, it's a- – I think it's a funny thing. I, I think more in perhaps in recent times, there's this idea that you just have to be amazing. Mm. And I think it plays into that. Uh, what, was it, what was the book? Uh, it'll come to me later. Those, um, is it one of those kind of lean agile kind of books? No, no, no. It was oh, two sacks. Hang on. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's cool. No, it's not on the shelf. <laughs> there, was, there was a book and it spoke of this idea of – Oh, I, I sound the tip of my tongue. Um, but one of them, they said there was the, the different personalities that typically go into a, um, into a business mm. and one of them was the technician. This idea that I have to do it all and I have to do it all myself mm. and it has to be amazing. And it typically plays into someone who is, um, say, like the, the math geek, mm. the tech whiz, that kind of thing, that very clinical quantitative mindset. And it takes sometimes – and I've – agree with what you've said it seems to take a while at times to let go and to realize i don't have to do everything Mm. if i do a a certain few things well then that'll be enough 
but there's all this kind of i guess everywhere you read especially online there's this whole you have to be amazing at every single piece mm. and every piece has to align beautifully and if that doesn't happen it'll all fall down yeah and and things like documentation and writing it's also like you know oh well you have to be able to write these stellar medium posts about your experiences and be able to articulate them and document you know your story as as you as you unfold as a company when you know mm. maybe you don't Maybe you are not the person who should be doing that. Maybe it's about getting someone else while you focus on building the company. Exactly. You know, you you focus on doing what you do and do it really well. I think the story that I've read of, I think it was Atlassian, mm. was, a, was a good one. They seem to really focus on, at that end, uh, JetBrains mm. comes to mind. Mm. From what I know of both, it was, no, 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 we're going to focus on what we do and let the quality of of the product itself speak for Mm. us and then developers can say you have to use this it's really amazing and then later on i think in recent times because a a friend of mine gary hocken has been working at JetBrains for a while in the um promoting php storm Mm -hmm. um but this is only in recent times have they i guess put more effort and focus into sort of specific marketing as opposed to letting it be word of mouth yeah they have i mean they i think they have a much just uh, they have a much better community than Atlassian. Um, I, I've, I did a couple of videos for them, but also they appear at more conferences. They sponsor more conferences. You don't ever really see Atlassian sponsoring conferences. I don't think I've ever seen them sponsor a conference apart from their own. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. It's weird. Uh, even though they're both commercial, mostly closed source tools, for some reason mm-hmm. JetBrains has cultivated this much this this feeling of community, even though. You, you can't actually really get involved with anything, but <laughs> yeah, true. you can, feel like, I don't know, they, they, yeah, it's yeah. interesting. And I think they're a lot bigger than they sometimes come across because I know they have at least half a dozen offices around Europe um, mm-hmm. and often they don't feel like they're very big, but actually I think they are because you, you see how many people use them, you know. Are you saying that mm. they're able to perpetuate the idea, I don't mean deceive, deceitfully, but in terms of, being able to create a community that's networked. Yeah, connected. I think one of the things they do do, so instead of making the tools open to the community, they um, open the tools to the community, which mm-hmm. might be a roundabout way of saying things. But for example, for PHP Storm, they uh, added a lot of support for lots of the major kind of open source frameworks. They donated, mm-hmm. they donate licenses to open source projects. Right. When I worked at Crate, which was an open source company, uh, VC funded, I said can i have 10 licenses for the core developers and they just said yep um because it was an open source project there was no questions no mm-hmm. days of paperwork mm. <laughs> they were quite happy just to give out intellij licenses to an open source project and no questions asked um yeah, they, yeah. sorry that's that, that kind of side of things they're quite good at yeah like i was like, i guess i'm so i'm hesitant to to go overboard only because i don't know it lasts in that well, uh, superficially, but just the experience with with jet brains and stuff has always generally been, except for one particular bug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been really good. It's like, oh yeah, okay, that's awesome. And then the next release comes out, and you'll have, say, for example, when Docker yep. gained yep. more than yep. enough traction. Okay, we'll integrate Docker, and then there was Vagrant before that, and and then there are all sorts of plugins for this, that, and the other. And it seemed to always be, okay, yes, we've got developers, but developers who actually use our stuff as opposed to a developer who 
what do you think we should create? But you don't actually use it. Mm-hmm. So it seems to be they have a nice balance. And I guess uh, just speculating by going to conferences, you know, you talk to people and get real feedback and say, well, tell me what your problem is and how could we fix it? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess. Yep. Mm. Okay. Let's um, – so just – after browsing through um, your profile, I also noticed mm-hmm. you um, seem to do, you have or do do quite a lot with the Zend framework. Maybe um, just explain to anyone who hasn't heard of Zend what Zend is and how you got involved with it. Wow. Okay. So let's see how I can do this. Um, Zend, uh, to clarify sometimes misunderstandings or conflated understandings, the Zen, the company, and Zen was acquired by Rogue Wave, I think late last year, which I don't know much about, but they're a much, much larger company, which is more a collection of uh, various companies across various languages. Um, but sticking to Zen, uh, they were started by two of the earlier uh, core developers around PHP, I think it was... Um, Andy and Zeev, um, they did a lot of reworking of their original um, PHP engine after it had been around for a bit. Um, so they started a company based out of Israel and made a whole lot of uh, products to sort of um, support and, and build on the PHP ecosystem. Zen from where I sit, or what I should say is I work on um, or promote Zen Framework. Mm-hmm. And that was a framework similar to, say, Symphony, Cake, Laravel, um, all those larger PHP frameworks. I got into it mainly by happenstance. I think I had come from the back in the day when I was uh, the, the younger developer. The thing to do was to write your own framework. Um, cliched, yes, I did yeah. it and <laughs> learned the lesson as to why it can be good and why maybe <laughs> you should just uh, ask yourself what you want to do like do you want to write the framework or do you want to actually write an application um i was more on the latter like i wanted you know someone would say you know we want an application that does this so i didn't want to be constantly with every project um either building my own libraries necessarily Mm. or recreating forms and uh helpers and all that sort of stuff so i just went hunting for for something and i think zen framework one Oh, I think there was cake and a few others. I did some assessment and I thought in my own mind that all well, Zen frameworks seemed to be put together well. Um, it seemed to have a company behind it. Um, so community-wise, I figured it would continue, whereas others might lose interest and fade away, like Kahana. Um, nothing wrong with Kahana, but anyway, that was just one that came to mind. So that's sort of how it began. And in the first version of Zen Framework, quite similar to Symphony 1, it was good, but it had some shortcomings. Version 2, it got a lot better, and in that you sort of got more modular approach. So you could write modules that you could share around applications would have been the biggest change, mm-hmm. at least for me. Um, but it was around sort of like the Zen Framework 1 period that I started to blog because I thought I just wanted to write stuff for myself. Hmm. Um, and you know, all my friends had a blog talking about what they were doing at their day job. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'll do that too. Um, and it it started off as a mishmash of things, which the thing that seemed to get the most traction through analytics was Zen framework. And I was doing more and more of it. So I thought, oh, well, why not take it from a general blog into a Zen framework specific blog? Um, and then, 
that just sort of continued to grow and I spent more time with it. And so I changed my original blog into what I have today, which is called Master Zen Framework. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's masterzenframework.com. Sure. And it was around about late in the Zen Framework 2 period that I was sort of thinking, well, maybe do I start switching from PHP to Go? Do I spend more time with maybe Ruby, um, you know, or Haskell and, and Scalar and various other languages? And so the blog sort of started to fade for a bit. But just recently with um, the new, like, effectively say Zen Framework 3, but it's, uh, in effect, it's the third iteration, but it's called Zen Expressive, which is, um, uh, I guess, a, a middleware slash micro framework based um, approach to application development. And it was around that that I thought, actually, no, I think I'm, I'm still interested enough and I'm still keen enough to, to continue. So I, I appreciate there's a, a series of interrelated bits there. Um, but it really was through getting into Zen Framework and getting to know a number of the people behind it, um, such as the project lead, Matthew Werafini, uh, Gary Hocken, who I mentioned before, uh, and various other people that – and having spending such a lot of time blogging and interacting with the community that it got me the my first opportunity really to speak at conferences so um i guess that's where i sort of continued to say oh hi i'm the person behind this blog and stuff yeah um just just out of interest i mean um i spent a actually when i was a a proper developer in very big quote marks um okay i spent yeah. most of my time and i haven't really done it for a few years now also working in php uh, i started mm-hmm. with pure php and then cake actually um mm-hmm. and then transitioned strangely into drupal and um also contributing a lot to something called cvcrm which was a a monolithic large application for non-profits and stuff i don't know it was written mm-hmm. in god knows what it was written in some sort of php um mm-hmm. but there's always been a criticism or a or a, a comment uh observation of the php community that the the core php community could sometimes be a little unwelcoming but the mm-hmm. frameworks around it, uh, especially WordPress, if it's not really a framework, but something, a common application built on PHP, Laravel, Symfony, Zend, Drupal, like they could be very friendly communities. And it's always been kind of interesting that the core PHP community is traditionally not very friendly, but a lot of the things around it are. I mean, have you ever experienced that? Um Yes and no. Uh, my own take on it. Um, just recently, I had a chat to one of the newer um, contributors to Core, um, uh, Sammy Powers, and Sammy said he'd heard that, but his experience actually was quite the opposite. Now, to, to qualify that, there there can be, uh, and there has been a lot of stuff around the the, the standardization group, the P, the PHP Fig, that there's a lot of sort of bad blood at times, and conversations can get very heated mm. and and quite quite nasty. Um, from what I've seen, I, I agree that I, I can't give a conclusive answer sure. on that. I'd have to say <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to give a qualified answer mainly. For, for two reasons, I realise this sounds like I'm I'm so sitting on the fence. Oh, it's fine. That's a perfectly valid answer. <laughs> <laughs> but but for the, I can sum it up this way: I um, do some work at Rove, mm-hmm. and we had a conversation one time uh, without wanting to give anything away. 
Um, but the, in the group, there's some people from Europe, there's some people from the States, there's the resident Australian and so forth, and people from various other countries. And people, and some part of the conversation seemed like someone made this comment and you're like, what the, and some people got quite kind of taken aback by it a bit. Like, what, what, what do you mean by that? Mm. Like, how could you have said that? Mm. But knowing each of the people well enough and knowing the person who said what he did, you're like, no, no, he, uh, you could see how someone could take it negatively. You could see where they're coming from, but you can see why he's looking saying, why are you getting worked up about what I said? I didn't say anything. So I think part, anyway, that's a bad example. Um, what I mean is that I think culture and backgrounds can make things problematic when you have developers from so many yeah. different countries yeah. and backgrounds yeah. and time zones. Definitely. Someone can say something and mean nothing at all by it. But someone else can look at it and say, oh, I can't believe you said oh, that. Absolutely. That's so offensive. That's yep. so rude. Yep. But then the other, but then the person who said it, I'm, I'm completely lost as to what you're talking about. Yeah. And then it takes... But then it takes a willingness by everybody involved to stop for a second and actually work through it and to, one, be honest, yeah. and two, genuinely work through it. Yeah. So I, I think from my outsider's perspective, I think that plays into it quite a lot. Do you, do you, and, do you sometimes wonder if also because it's an older community um, and is a bit more kind of set in particular yeah. ways maybe as well? Yeah, I, I reckon that might yeah. be. Um, I, I think you'd have certain people who've done things, they've done things in a certain way for long enough, what, 15, 20 odd years. Mm. I'm doing, I've done it this way, why should I change mm. it, I guess. Then you've got other people who, you know, they, they come in later in the piece, they're, they're younger or they come to programming later. Um, so they've had different experiences and they see life in a different way and say, well, why don't we do this? And then if you, if you then have somebody who says, no, no, don't agree, who may not actually say why they disagree. Yeah, you can see how exchanges might get heated mm. and why people might not appreciate each other. Um, but on the point of the communities, yeah, that's a, that's a funny one how you can have a split. But what I observed was that a lot of people in some of these communities, they might not step out of the community. Mm. They might have come into programming. Say WordPress is an, is an awesome example. Um, they were never really a programmer. They were kind of like maybe a, a hobbyist mm-hmm. coder, um, not to be kind of uh, condescending. No. And, you know, but all they've done is they've, they've written the post, they've organized the taxonomy and stuff. And then someone said we – and they've hit a point in what they were asked to do uh, and what they knew. And so they had to learn some element of coding. So they started to learn a bit. But really what they learned was WordPress. And I guess the same for Drupal yep, yep. Um, and some of the tools as opposed to the frameworks. And so they really didn't consider themselves a PHP programmer or a, or maybe a, a programmer overall. Um, and maybe someone who, uh, to, a, to a different degree, who used one of the frameworks. Yeah. I, this is actually, I will say, I think this is kind yeah. of the, 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 when I sort of left the Drupal community, this was kind of the, the, the clash that was coming. Um, mm-hmm. Drupal 8 became infinitely more complicated. And a lot of the people mm-hmm. who had just kind of used Drupal for ages with its various uh, idiosyncrasies suddenly were like, Oh, we have to learn how to do things properly. <laughs> yep, yep. And there is a lot of that. Yeah, it's yeah, uh, yeah. It was it was particular, or it seemed to be the perception anyway within within Laravel. I mean, I guess this is low hanging fruit, you know, shooting ducks in a barrel. But um, there seemed to be concerns around 
in, with some of us who weren't necessarily a part of Laravel that um, it, it had gained so much momentum and so much popularity and traction that the same thing would happen again, but to a much larger extent that you would do Laravel, but you wouldn't necessarily know anything outside of that mm. or that actually Laravel was built on PHP and, and, and so forth. And so you could easily basically stay, start and stay within the silo and never see anything else. And that was a big theme at PHP World, the conference in Washington. Their, their attempt was to say, okay, even if you've never done that, firstly, one, there's a world outside of, of what you do. And we all are friendly and come and let's chat. Let's look at what we're all doing and try and sort of cross pollinate and help each other um, grow a wider understanding. Mm. And I think, I don't know, this might be sort of shooting myself, but I feel at times, at times and not always, when um, sometimes coming from a computer science background, I think it plays into a certain kind of personality, a certain kind of person sure. who will be, who will follow that path, and they may be a little bit more withdrawn, yeah. a little bit less... Not like most coders I know are very social, yeah. especially with beer or whiskey. Um, <laughs> but maybe they communicate but, differently as well. Yeah, and there's this, there's a different. It seems to be that there's there's subtle but sometimes distinct differences in in personalities. Whereas so, someone who's sort of come just using a tool, yeah. maybe was more of an extrovert and more focused on accomplishing an outcome as opposed to just. Um, coding for the hell of it, I think. Yeah, yeah and like, yeah. why don't you understand this algorithm? It's a beautiful algorithm. <laughs> where someone's like, look, I'm, I, yeah, I've been tasked with doing this role to achieve this deadline. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. doing. So, yeah, perhaps it's it's the personality, yeah. it's the background, and a variety of factors. But I, I definitely have seen debates that I've read on the PHP internals and stuff, and it's just, I could see how you could really get your nose out of joint about that statement. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I think in a kind of final wrap-up of this conversation, yep. let's come back full circle. Well, not completely full circle because mm-hmm. we talked about the MBN to begin with, but let's say yep. full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've sort of hit upon there a little bit around uh, communication. And um, we, well, all of us sat around this multiple tables and we work in technical communication of various aspects of. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I have my own kind of opinions, but what would, if, you, if someone was to say I'd like to, or you'd like to tell someone how to explain themselves better or you'd like to help someone explain themselves better, what would be your kind of top three to five tips of how to explain technical concepts better? Hmm. Good question. Um, I guess my, my first thought would be uh, not getting yourself too excited in that you sort of have a sense of guided enthusiasm. You would ideally look at, if you had, say, a concept such as Laravel, um, metaphor, really, mm-hmm. is... is Try and understand who the person is or the people are who you're talking to, firstly. Yep. Mm-hmm. And talk as and, and talk in a way that they would understand. Mm. To, to paraphrase someone, it's not the job of the listener or the reader to understand what the the writer uh, or the author had in mind. Mm. It's it's the job of the speaker to to convey themselves properly, such that the listener can understand and fill in some blanks, but 
you know, the core concepts come uh, are delivered. So, you know, who are you talking to? You know, so if it's at a conference or whatnot, what kind of conference is this? Where are these people from? So how can I, um, how can I say what, what I need to say such that it'll, um, they'll understand it best. Mm. And then despite my meanderings from this conversation so far, uh, the points that I picked up at Toastmasters is, you know, like how long do you have to convey your point? Mm. So, so don't try to fill up every single nook and cranny, you know, less is more, you know, what, how can I maybe pick one or two or two or three points? And then if I still have the opportunity then to maybe expand on those points later. Mm. So, you know, what, what's the kernel of what I want to say? What's the, uh, the core bits so if, if someone didn't know anything mm. and I told them one or two things um, to get them started, what would those one or two things be? And then after that, if you have, you know, if you have the opportunity, come back to other things, uh, expand on, pick up other points. So that'd be my first two points. Okay. I think, I think we're in, in, in largely in agreement. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is possibly why... Um, our mutual contact to uh, put us in touch, although I think we've we've mm-hmm. floated around in touch in the past anyway, is possibly why he did because I think he yeah. saw saw one of my uh, posts and was like, "You guys should talk." <laughs> oh. <laughs> which is, and actually, the yeah, is, um, I'm having a complete blank of a second. Um, I'm having a complete blank on his name, so I won't embarrass myself by trying to remember it. It'll be in the notes. <laughs> it was, yes. <laughs> in, in, in the podcast notes. Someone from Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so people can access them. Iranian guy who lives in mm-hmm. Melbourne who's Alexa. Alexa, that's it, Alexa. I'm okay. not sure if you've ever met him, but he obviously knows you <laughs> somehow. <laughs> but he hangs around PHP communities, so that's probably, it's probably just come across here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he said you, you should Actually, get in touch. Mm-hmm. And then, purely coincidentally, I think you got in touch with me separately anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. How that Actually, one last point yeah. while I think of it. And the other thing you know, I think is is dead set enthusiasm, but guided enthusiasm. Mm. Yep. Um, because I was talking to Dan Allen, and Dan was in super duper and like infectiously enthusiastic. But it's you know it's it's sharing with people you know in a guided way. Why should I be interested? Mm. Because, yeah. you know, you, you have a really busy life. You've, like myself, with two kids, married with two kids and all the things you have to do. And someone's saying, okay, you should, I should learn something new. Mm. Why should I? You know, basically sort of fill me with a sense of reasons and, and joy and, and interest as to why I should, I should care. Why should I either uh, drop something else to put this in or find some time somewhere in there? So... Yeah, that would be my third thing. The, the way you were just speaking and that, yep. that real enthusiasm um, uh, clarified it for yep. me. Cool. Okay. Final quick and easy question then would be, mm-hmm. um, have you got anything to plug? <laughs> oh, you most certainly do. <laughs> yes, I do. Like to hear. Oh, why is it I feel most relaxed right at the end? Oh, <laughs> dude, we're the same. <laughs> it's that thing you sort of, you know, like, you, sorry, as I'm quickly plugging in, I am not. Just hammering around. Ah, good. Browser's working. Um, you know, you sort of, you just need a little while to get into a groove. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, yes, I do. Um, I'm writing, um, in the middle of writing a book mm. and a video course for uh, Zend Expressive. Mm-hmm. It's called Zend Expressive Essentials. You can find it at masterzendframework.com forward slash zend hyphen expressive hyphen essentials. 
I don't know if hyphens are a good thing when you're trying to <laughs> give a URL. Yeah, we, we have challenges with names and stuff as well when we're talking addresses and um, Twitter accounts and all that sort of things. Well, yours um, is especially complicated. Yeah, Kate. it's a hard one. But, um, <laughs> well, the, the, the long and short of it, I guess, is that we're very happy to link to those resources you've just yes, mentioned on our, um, on our podcast page and we will share the, um, the broadcast with you so you can share it with your own networks. And, and this is the book and the course. They're both part of the same thing. Yep. Yep. Mm. yep. Uh, like at this That's stage, um, it is. I only have a landing page yep. up. It's okay. Uh, but but it gives a broad intro as to what you can expect, and then uh, some of the about seven or eight of the key points. So you I guess get more of a media idea of of what the book and the course will show. Um, there's a big. There's a huge form where you can put your name and your email address. So I. So then I can know if uh, someone's interested. Mm. And then as and the reason for that is that as the, the book progresses, um, I can then sort of say, you know, we're up to here by now and here's a sample video mm. and, you know. And, Do and some pre-orders. Hope, yeah, mm. and hopefully keep some momentum yeah. building and people saying, I don't know why you're talking about that, but talk about this instead. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. kind, of, kind of like, you know, sure. community. Yeah, no, like it makes perfect interactive. sense. Interactive. Yeah. 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 Yeah, okay. and so it's just all to the, the aim of it is just to to give people the the fundamentals, mm-hmm. not the whole kitchen sink sure. um, approach. Yeah, and as far as I can see, you have uh, Matthew Setter S E T T E R dot com, and mm-hmm. on Twitter at Setter M J D. Yep, yep, they're the best. That's me. I'm. That's the ones I tweet madly usually every day, no, except for Sunday. I think um, we're again pretty similar. That, that's why I wasn't surprised to discover that you were actually Australian because you do tweet a lot for uh, a German. So. <laughs> <laughs> Almost too much, <laughs> but we're, we're all similar in that vein, yeah. so that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's always funny when you go to a um, a conference in Germany and they're like, "Here's the Twitter handle," and you realise that the only people tweeting are the English and the Australians <laughs> and the organisers. Oh, yeah, organizers. <laughs> no one else. Uses Twitter in that context, I guess. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time Thank and you. joining us on a Saturday. And um, Thank you very much for having yeah. me. Oh, pleasure. And I hope the rest of your day goes well. Likewise. And thank you very much for... Um uh, wanting to interview this this quiet little Aussie down here in Bavaria. 